Hey guys, it's Ed. I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And after a nice long weekend, I am rejuvenated and back to bringing you all the best gossip. Or at least, you know, until I get tired again. <laughs> so, I had a friend who. We were close, but, th- you know, things happen, and you kind of drift away. And one of those things that happened was he started doing a lot of drugs. And I'm not the type that particularly cares for that. So, I was like, hmm, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me. And... It, I don't want to say we stopped being friends because, like, we're still connected all over social media, but we don't talk anymore. And it would probably be wise for Pete Davidson to, to take kind of that same approach because over the weekend, he was pulled over. I'm trying to see if he was in Manhattan or... It doesn't say, but it was. it's from page six, so it's safe to assume that it was somewhere within New York City. Um, they were pulled over, and his passenger was arrested um, for drug possession. Now, here's, here's a couple things. Pete is allegedly sober. So, the fact that his friend had drugs on him is not a good sign for Pete's sobriety. Also, the fact that he got engaged to Ariana Grande within, like, two seconds of asking her out on a date. Also not a good sign for Pete's sobriety. And people are going to yell at me for saying this, but it's true. You know, it... The the people you associate with and that you're hanging out with probably reflect on what you are doing at the time. It, that's not always the case. Like, I wasn't doing drugs with my friend. But it would have been a fair assumption if someone, if I had been with him and he got pulled over, it would have been a fair assumption for people to say, well, he was, you know, I was probably doing it too. Um, and in Pete's case, he's been very vocal about his drug usage. Um, he went on Saturday Night Live, the weekend update, and um, talked about his addiction to marijuana. Um, he's also talked about having borderline personality disorder. And one of the things that Crazy Days and Nights... Um, Crazy Days and Nights really have, really has, um, been right up there with this. Um, it's not even insinuating, but stating straight out, even though it's via blinds, 
that he is back on drugs. The drug of choice kind of varies per day. Um, in one of yesterday's wines, he was on crack. But, you know, for the most part, it's very consistent that he is on drugs. Even Blind Gossip. And again, when I... When Blind Gossip and Crazy Days and Nights agree on a... a, For lack of a better word, storyline. There's probably some credibility there. Because... If Crazy Days and Nights and says someone's gay... Blind Gossip will turn around and say they're straight. And I, like, I don't know if there's a rivalry or what's going on, or if the sources are just giving out different information to different gossip sites, anything's possible. But when it's very consistent that Pete Davidson is on drugs, please believe that Pete Davidson is on drugs, because they're not gonna, both sides are not gonna say it if it's not true. And I'm gonna go get my drug of choice, caffeine, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. Um, today I'm having some Coke and rum, just because it's a classic feel. Um, and, you know, it'll help me with my rating. In a, in a, a couple of minutes we're gonna talk about, um, erotic writing and whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I got back into the saddle and, you know, one of my former clients that I worked with a long time ago, like, seen something I posted on Facebook and got really excited and asked me if I was willing to sign a deal with him. And I said no. Um, but again, we'll get into that in a minute. But there's a reason why I'm telling that little antidote. And it's because... Kenya, uh, Kenya Barish, make sure I said his name right, Kenya Barish, um, who created Blackish and Grownish for ABC, Grownish of course ended up going over to Freeform because it's skewed too young, um, has signed a $130 million deal with Netflix. And here's the thing. We talked about this um, previously, I believe. Kenya was very... uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Okay, previously he had been under a deal with ABC. However, um, things started to go south. Um... And they started to go south very fast. Um, the first public acknowledgement of the trouble was when they, when ABC refused to air a controversial episode of Blackish. Now, this is a show that has really, really um, pushed the envelope a lot. Um. And so for for this to now be a big deal is kind of disconcerting. 
to say the least. And and I don't say that lately because I, you know, I don't know the inner workings. I don't know what the episode. We know like the premise of the episode was, um, the Johnson family talking about dealing NFL players. But they've always been pretty good about showing both sides of an issue. So it, it's really weird that they wouldn't allow this one. And the only thing I can think of is that the NFL steps in and was like, oh, you can't hear this or we're pulling the rights um, to football games from ESPN. Um, but after that, like, word started trickling out more and more that Kenya was very upset that none of his pilots went to series, um, with the exception of Gronish, which is a spinoff. And, you know, he got very... I don't want to say angsty, but, you know, there was, there was a... A little bit of a attitude um, about how he was being treated, quote unquote. So, the rumor, the rumors have been kicking up for for a while that he was going to be exiting um, his overall deal at ABC. And move over to Netflix. Um, and most everyone expected it to be a blockbuster deal. Um, he joins the ranks of Ryan Murphy and Shonda Rhimes. And, I mean, and we've already seen Shonda Slate. She was the first one to sign on. And Girlfriend has eight series. And when I say slate, I don't mean like, oh, these are developed, like, you know, these might happen. No, these are already greenlit, and then the, pro- the production process has started. So it's very likely that Kenya will be very, very happy over at Netflix. And I'm going to be very, very happy getting some more Roman Cook. I'll be right back. And I am back. So, I I put out, um, I, I have an erotic novel out there. Again, we're going to get to, well, we're going to get to that segment in a minute. But, and, and that book sold very well. I didn't have to put any marketing dollars or anything because the publisher did all of that. Um... But, you know, so I, coming off of that, I was like, okay, you know, I should be able to sell some more books relatively fast. So I put out a couple of short stories. And mind you, I may have overpriced myself, but I, I, the, the short stories have sold, but just not quite as well as I would have liked. And that was weird. Um, you know, because I was like, there's no difference in the quality, only in the in the genre. 
So maybe comedy doesn't sell. And so I talked to a friend and they're like, no, 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 comedy sells. You know, just this, that, and the other thing. You know, it's all about concept or whatever. So I was really confused and then... Over the weekend, Kevin Spacey's newest movie, Billionaire Boys Club, which is based on a true story, came out. And I made more from my two short stories than that movie made in the entire United States. The movie opened to just $126. That has to be one of the lowest openings of all time. I mean, you couldn't even get friends to go see that. And and I feel bad because Ansel Eggert and, um... I'm trying to think of all their names. Um, Emma Roberts is in there. And there's another really cute boy. Oh, Taryn Egerton. Um, you know, their, their careers won't be damaged too badly. But this is going to be a stain on their reputation. No matter how you slice it. Um, you know, and people will argue that, well, it was, it was on, on demand and the the theatrical release was just because of contracts with Kevin Spacey. And honestly, Kevin Spacey is probably the reason why this movie bombed. There was... And I'm trying to be very polite about this, but when you have a child molester, and especially one who was so publicly taken down in the Me Too era, it's not a good look. And of course, you know, the movie was filmed way before um, these allegations came to the public's eye. No, I, and I really do emphasize public side because if if words were trickling back to me about him being a little gropey, there's no way people in Hollywood didn't know. Sorry, I'm not buying that story that you didn't know. No way, no how. Because if a little Detroit boy is hearing... Powerful Hollywood people are hearing. It didn't matter because his movies were making money. And I think that's really what it all boils down to. His movies were making money, and then House of Cards was uber popular. And that's all that really mattered. But now that he's been disgraced, your people want to act shocked and Oh my goodness, I had no idea. Bullpucky. You knew. And you didn't care. And now... Karma will take care of you. And I don't mean... Verdana's... Stripper co-worker either. I just felt like I needed to say that for some reason. I'll be right back. And I'm back. 
So recently, I've decided to jump back into erotic writing. For some of you, that's not a very big surprise. Um, but it was actually kind of a shocker to me. Um, because, because for the most part, I've been staying away from it. I've been doing a lot of true crime. And, um, you know, working on, like, my more satirical novels, like One Death to Live. Um, working on, um, things like the companion book for the celebrity conspiracy. Um, and, and so just things like that. However, I wrote an article, and... This was for Vocal. And it was a little on the filthy filthy side. It was called Does Size Matter? And I, I, you know, it was just one of those things where I was inspired to write it. So I wrote it. And the page views just went crazy. And I had... It, like, there was no promotion on my part. I didn't do anything to promote that at all. And I had people, like, reaching out to me asking if I was still writing erotica. And so I said, no, and they're like, oh, man, you need to get back into it. So I started thinking about it. And I, and I decided to get back into it. I'm working on my, um, my, the first erotic novel that I'm going to publish Myself, um, yes, I will be using a pen name, so as not to, um, kind of just like Anne Rice, you know, it's fine to use my real name, but it's also okay to use a pen name for the erotic stuff. And, um, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why I've never felt embarrassed to write it is because Anne Rice did write it. And I, and I cannot say her pen name. It's A.N. Rokele. Um, and she wrote the, like, the Sleeping Beauty trilogy. She's, um, and recently she came out with another, um, erotic novel. Um, and I remember reading a quote, and I was, I tried to find it before I did this segment. Um, that way I could direct you, um, direct you towards it. But, um, she was being interviewed for one of her novels, um, it might have been, um, The Princeless Dat, um, maybe it was before that, I don't quite remember, but anyways, she's, uh, the, the quote was something along the lines of, I, you know, I, I still get a lot of people reading my Sleeping Beauty trilogy, um, you know, it still sells very, very well. You know, sometimes in the hard times, that's where I get the majority of my royalties. And it just kind of, like, you know, it, it made me stop and think, like, this woman is internationally beloved. And she still writes erotica. And there's no shame in that. Like, I I need to embrace it. For some reason, my erotica has always sold very, very well. And again, like, I've been alternating um, between true crime and 
um, dirty, dirty articles. And I, I kind of went back and one of the very first articles I wrote for Vocal is, was kind of, um, what I wrote, or, like, kind of the premise of my book, and that it's, it's now common for quote-unquote straight guys to be with their gay, like, be together, like, either with another straight guy or with a gay guy, and be a couple, because why not, I guess, um, so, as I go, as I go forward, I'll be, um, writing more dirty articles, maybe you'll be seeing them in other places besides Vogel, um, and be on the lookout for Broad Trip, um, I'm already about 20% done with it, so I'm gonna get it off to my editor, thanks, Wesley, and um, have it published as soon as I possibly can. And I will be right back. And now for our big story. Asia Argent- Argento, former girlfriend of Anthony Boudin, and one of the leading voices in the Me Too movement, has her own Me Too story. Um, and this is really, really sorted. Um, but we're gonna get through it. Basically, um, the New York Times yesterday ran an article where they said they had they got correspondence between Jimmy Bennett and Asia Argento. Um. Just after the Me Too movement launched, um, apparently Jimmy's lawyer filed a motion or filed something that some sort of legal paperwork that said that they were going to be asking for almost four million dollars. Um, and I he obviously didn't. I don't think he got that much. Um, the the amount that keeps being thrown around is three hundred and eighty thousand. So why was he asking for this? Well, after playing her son in a movie called uh, uh, A Heart's Deceit or something like that, um, Asia lured Jimmy to her hotel room and convinced his relative, whomever that was, to... Um, leave him with her. She gave him alcohol, got him drunk, and apparently molested him. And, um, at the time, Jimmy was 17 and Asia was 37. And there's already a lot of people saying, well, you know, she was a victim, so... You know, that's probably why she victimized somebody. And that could be true. Um, doesn't make it right. And, you know, when you're... I, I think the biggest thing is when you are 
throwing, you know, when your finger's pointed, there are three fingers pointed back at you. Especially in a situation like this where Me Too has been very divisive. Um, with, with most people supporting, but there's a very vocal range of men who feel like their rights are being violated. That's a whole different topic, and we can get into that later. But, you know... There is that component. Um, so the Times got a hold of the story because someone anonymously sent them um, selfies and um, pictures of Asia and Jimmy in various states of undress. Um, as well as some correspondence. Um, Asia nor Jimmy commented on the story. But here, here's a couple things. First of all, it's very interesting that it was sent anonymously. That means somebody signed an NDA, which is purportedly what Asia and um, her BFF, Rose McGowan, are against. Also... Rose McGowan is heartbroken over this whole situation. Here is what she has to say. Uh, I got to know Asia Argento 10 months ago. Our commonality is the shared pain of being insulted by Harvey Weinstein. My heart is broken. I will continue to work on behalf of victims everywhere. Um... You know, I'm trying to figure out if Asia was with Anthony Bourdain at the time because they were together for a very, very long time. So this could be a situation where not only did she... Not only did she cheat on on him, but she assaulted someone. And that just leaves a really bad feeling. Um, obviously, this is a breaking story. We're going to uh, stay on top of it as much as we possibly can. Until then, until next time, cheers.